Miles, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom so bad. But there's no commercial breaks because everything's streaming. It's the Mori Awards for TV 2020. Hello, Miles. You know I'm not proud of that intro, but here we are, buddy. <laughs> talking Welcome about back, everybody. Television, TV series, TV seasons, and TV miniseries, specials, whatever you want to call it, for the year 2020, and maybe one that got in just under the line at the end of 2019. Oh, boy, howdy. This has been a year for television. Well, and I think we say that or we could say that uh, for the last several years, because I mean, a lot of people like to make a lot of of talk about how we are in a another television golden age. And I, I do believe that. I mean, it's it's becoming more and more difficult for me to make these lists uh, by separating like what is excellent and what I just enjoy watching. Uh, spoiler warning, I go with what I enjoy watching. But not just that, but I mean. I, even looking at some of these things to see what I, I missed, there are, I mean, I can count at least 50 shows that look to be superior quality that I completely missed this year. Well, and this is the thing about this year in particular, because as we have previously mentioned, it's been of a, a bit of a weird year. Uh, so TV series, miniseries especially, have hit harder because especially at the beginning of the pandemic, we were grasping for anything to distract us. And that's where I want to start. I want to start out with a show that came out before the pandemic, a show that actually was was at the tail end of last year, but missed our mores last year because it was it, it initially aired on December 20th of 2019. I would like to go ahead and give out our first Mori Award. Miles, are you ready for this? I am. Let's do it. This is the Toss a Coin to Your Podcast. The Mori Award for The Witcher. Netflix's The Witcher nice. series from 2019 starring Henry Cavill as Geralt, the titular Witcher. The of Witcher. Rivia. Geralt of Rivia. <laughs> You, you know, Drew, we talk every single day. And for some reason, I don't think I remember that I knew that you watched the show. Yeah. You know why, Miles? Because the show, we we watched it and we talked about it in January and then it was done. And then the pandemic happened and we forgot. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I assume this was a decade ago. Um, uh, and it's, it's funny because oh, go ahead. Literally going through the lists of shows that came out this year. It's like, oh, yeah, that came out this year. Oh, yeah, that and that and that came out and that. I've forgotten more of what I've seen this year than I remembered just remembering off the top of my head. I had to resort to to going through lists, which is not something I always do, but it was important. There are entire seasons of shows that I actively watch that I missed this year, which is kind of funny because I should have not missed them. Uh, But going back to The Witcher, it's funny because last year around uh, spring of 2019, I decided I was going to read all The Witcher books. And so I went through that entire series and uh, I did it through audiobook, uh, which also has a phenomenal narrator. And 
I, I think Drew can probably attest to this. A good narrator can make or break an audiobook. Like the book can be the best book in the world, but I will say that as someone who, after watching The Witcher, bought the first run of Witcher short stories that was published in novel form and got through like half of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the books and I replayed The Witcher 3 and it kind of gave me I, I enjoyed the game a lot more. So I went to this series with high expectations and Henry Cavill did not disappoint. He was a fantastic Geralt. I, I his performance as Geralt kind of proved the apocryphal stories that I mean, I don't want to say they're apocryphal. I want to say the the sort of uh, these social media stories that he begged to be a part of the show and he was playing in The Witcher and that's why he wanted to do it. And he begged for an audition and begged for an audition and all of that stuff that I kind of just read off like, of course, Henry Cavill's Superman begged for an audition for Geralt of Rivia. But I mean, I see his performance. There's like, you know, I, I. I might say that this is a dude that really cares about this stuff. Well, it, it is a it is a known fact that Henry Cavill is a massive nerd. He missed the call that he got the role of Superman because he was busy playing World of Warcraft. <sighs> My man. He ignored the call because he was raiding or something and called back after he finished. So this is this is definitely a guy who who loves his nerdy stuff. And while I have massive problems with Zack Snyder's uh, DC universe, I love the casting choice of Henry Cavill as Superman. So I was, I was rooting for him going in and he just killed it. But Joey Beatty as Jaskier or Dandelion in the novels just crushed it. (laughs) So this is the weird thing about the Witcher for me is not how much I enjoyed it, but specifically how much my wife enjoyed it because she doesn't get into some of the stuff from time to time. And she got into the Witcher to the point that toss a coin to your Witcher. We talked about Animal Crossing uh, on our video game episode. Well, the thing about Animal Crossing is that you can create a theme for your island she created a, the theme for her island, which still exists in her game today. And <laughs> she has a little MIDI toss a coin to your Witcher, which is uh, in every time you land on her island in Animal Crossing is. And it's it's hilarious and cute and adorable. And, and that song, which. I also listened to like three times over the weekend because I was in a car for four hours um, is not great, but is also spectacular. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it's not going to win your, 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 well, your top nine, like, nine like, contest, it's but like it is if, an earworm. If you listen to 90% of the song, it's not a great song, but that hook is just a killer hook and I love it. And I, I, uh, Perfect casting. Apparently, Jaskier showed up to the audition with a uh, a lute in order to audition with it. That makes me love him even more. Indeed, <laughs> man. I and and they apparently have been filming uh, with COVID restrictions in different countries uh, this season too. And I think they might have wrapped filming already. So hopefully, we'll see some more uh, Witcher very soon in our lives. I, I very much hope so. I I I have really enjoyed it. I like that universe. And I think he is the he's, he's just one of those casting choices that I think 
his name will be synonymous with that character for years to come. He's built enough to be the character one and two. He cares enough about the character to want to do a good job. And those things, I feel like you really need to pull it off. Well, it's it's like Carl Urban in Dread. You know, yes. it could have been anyone, but he was adamant about, no, I'm not taking my helmet off like that. Yes. That, dude is, that dude's a nerd. We know this. I mean, it, Carl Urban shows up in only nerd things for the most part. And <laughs> Also seems to be a great dude, but he was very, very adamant on getting that character right. And and I, I feel like Henry Cavill is the same way. Henry Cavill live streamed building a gaming PC on Twitch over the pandemic. I feel like he's one of our people. He absolutely is. Um, speaking of, uh, if you uh, want to get Henry Cavill on our show, just let him know uh, with uh, with a massive uh, Twitter push, and because I'd love to have, I'd love to talk to Henry Cavill because I think the uh, dude's fine. You know who else would love to talk to Henry Cavill is my girlfriend. <laughs> she's she's she, probably she's, she's a probably massive, she's massive probably the fan. one that could get us an interview with Henry Cavill. She, pro- she probably could. Um, anyway, she, I'm sorry. Move, <laughs> move on. Moving on to so, your first morning tonight of uh pandemic stuff and and this this was something that i i took into consideration because this is going to be a weird one uh but this is the we'll do it live award and that goes to aew dynamite as people might know i'm a big fan of professional wrestling and aew started last october but this year there was no live sports so what uh Tony Khan, there was live sports entertainment, baby. That's right. Uh so what they did and 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 a WWE follows suit uh, soon afterwards, uh, is they basically they had their own place and they started filming episodes there. And to generate a crowd feeling, they had all the wrestlers who weren't wrestling surrounding the ring making noise, and it felt like a live event. And it was something that I was very, very surprised when they shut everything down. I was like, oh, well, I guess wrestling is done for the year. <laughs> and and they showed up and this is my favorite promotion. And I mean, it's super, super entertaining. If you've ever been into uh, sports entertainment or wrestling at all, this is the promotion to follow. Sting just debuted about a week and a half ago. Um as as a signee as a legendary uh character there and obviously the man's 61 years old he's not gonna be wrestling but he's gonna be doing something <laughs> i uh, have to this, i just feel like i need to point out this is not sting of the police this no this is, is sting the wrestler sting the wrestler <laughs> he's not worried about your eyes or uh uh synchronicity or synchronicity too he he just wants to to fight in a ring but uh, I, I do think that, th- that, that there was something really, really cool about wrestling continuing because for a lot of people, that was a good escape. I mean, a lot of people use live sports as an escape or as something to to check out to. And so the fact that the wrestling world was able to do that in some capacity definitely helped a lot of fans. I, I, have, a, I have a buddy who has a wrestling podcast and he talks about how, you know, being able to keep up with that and follow the stories as silly as sometimes they were because they were confined by the pandemic was honestly really good for some people's mental health and totally i mean it was awesome and wwe tried to do some of the same stuff but i feel like i've heard that aew did it better oh uh, yeah. the entire um, time aew is on 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 tnt and I, i'm hoping you'll they'll somehow get on hbo max because that would be amazing but the cool thing about what they were doing is a lot of it felt authentic uh 
and I'm, I'm not here to, to to talk smack about other promotions. So I'm not. I, I did not care for a lot of WWE's offering personally, but I know people that do. Um, but yeah, AEW is is it's my favorite promotion right now. But they also did a great job, kind of. Uh, being the leader for for live sports, they were very serious about getting everyone tested every single week. You would see wrestlers with arm like these little wristbands that meant they got tested and they tested negative. And they were very very serious about being able to to do a show every week despite the restrictions going on. And I know this is not our typical TV stuff we talk about, but I thought given the year, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give some props to my favorite <laughs> wrestling promotion. Speaking of things we would not normally give the time of day to, and and Miles and I had a conversation offline about this, and uh, oh, this is what we're talking about. Okay, and this is what we're talking about. <laughs> this is such a weird thing because it's not something that I would have of. It's something that that came about at just the right time for it to catch catch fire across the entire country. And that is a streaming miniseries, documentary series, quote unquote, uh, on Netflix. Uh, Tiger King, the story of Joe Exotic in, yeah, uh, so- in our that B word Carol Baskin award. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my thoughts on this show, because I I do, I enjoy trash and I enjoy spectacle. And, and this, this show is 100% trash and spectacle. A hundred percent. Like if you, if you enjoy watching some of these history channel type things like Gator Boys and uh, Gold Rush and, and stuff like that, this, this show is those things turned up to a thousand because both those shows are good shows. This show is, I mean, you, you see the trashiest side of trash and uh, a, a sitcom that I watched that we're not going to talk about, but it's excellent. Uh, Superstore uh, mentions this in their fall debut where they're talking about Tire King because someone had been missing work because they had COVID and they pop back up like Tire King episode three, right? Carol Baskins totally killed her husband. And everyone kind of looks around and is like, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're through with that. And to be honest, we're kind of embarrassed that we liked it to begin with. But that's and, the th- and th- that that is that is the general, I think, consensus that people have had about Tiger King. It is something that it was it it premiered right at the start of the lockdowns in in, mm-hmm. in the United States. And so for most of us, it was the thing that we put on and watched. And it's just it's so it's so like schlocky, trashy TV. I don't want to say that it's not entertaining because it is. Oh, it's a hundred percent entertaining. Hundred percent entertaining. I don't know how factual it is or or whatever, oh. but. And usually, when we have these uh, Netflix crime documentaries, there's one character, one character, one person that you're behind, one person you root for, and in terms of most of the people in this documentary, with the exception of one worker. One like resilient worker who's like so chill, um, that worked for Joe Exotic. Everyone's kind of the worst, and you don't want to <laughs> yeah. see them succeed. And and like yeah, and and, 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 and this just, got Carol Baskin on Dancing with the Stars this year. It did. This is why Carol Baskin was on Dancing with the Stars. That is exactly why this show just caught fire and has. It's such a weird 
like focal point for the entire nation because we had nothing else going on. And somehow in this moment, all of us collectively as a nation looking at this, this weird, strange individual and the people that he surrounded himself with in this quote zoo is just such a weird thing, but I, I can't, it, I can't deny its impact on the year 2020. And that's why yeah, it's I getting mean, an award. I, I mean, I, I was resistant to talking about Tyra King, to be honest. And, and this is what Jew was referring to. Cause I was like, I just don't want to talk about Joe exotic and this whole mess. But at the same time, yeah, we can't talk about 2020 without talking about some of these zeitgeist moments. And, and this was one of them. I mean, and it's funny because like watching that, that documentary, I remembered when he was on John Oliver. I remember that episode. I did too. And it was like, oh, that's the John Oliver guy. Oh, oh, wow. This is way darker yeah. and weirder than I yeah. thought. Especially, oh man, I mean, there, there, there are scenes in that show where I did not think what was going to happen would actually happen, and it does. And I mean, again, it, it is it is trashy tabloid fun. If you just want to, I mean, fun know, in quotes. We do have people that have lost limbs over the course of talking about lives. that and lives talking about the course of that that show. That's also a very good point. Like you cannot argue that Tiger King episode, the end of episode two, when they're talking about Carol Baskin, this person that has just been this nebulous force on the outside is like, well, you know, she killed her husband, right? And then the next episode is all about that whole conspiracy theory. It's just this is and it's, a, it's a rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole. It is compelling schlock TV. That is the kind of thing that in that moment in late March, early April 2020, we were desperate for because it made us think about anything other than the fact that we were stuck inside our houses, not well, able I mean to do anything else. You're a hundred percent right. What this gave us was the the flavor that we had been chasing ever since Jerry Springer stopped shocking us. Yeah, this is exactly this is this is a Jerry Springer toned show in that sense where it's 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 spectacle. It's shock. It's like, oh, my God, look at these people. And and that's what this show is. And it's fun. But I mean, when you when you when you take it all together, like it's also really dark and unsettling because you know people lost their lives, people lost their livelihoods, animals were hurt, and and which for me and, is like the worst part of it. Well, and and um, and I will say that there was a tremendous amount of work done in the production of animals causes based on the result of this show, some of which yes. was based on on the Tiger King, Joe Exotic himself selling out other people in order to try to lessen his own jail sentence. Yes. And and I hate to say that that's for the benefit, but it is what happened. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm I, moving on from here. Uh, and we'll be jumping across this year. We're not going any sort of chronological order because I do want to talk about something else that was unexpected. And this was the, I guess I'm going to give it the, I never saw this coming award, although it's not necessarily accurate, but this is HBO's Perry Mason. 
Perry Mason, if you had told me, oh yeah, they're 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 bringing back Perry Mason, which is a show I used to watch with my grandmother as a kid. <laughs> I, I, I remember briefly hearing about it and then I watched the trailer and I'm like, oh, this is set in the 30s and it's this noir style detective story. OK, I'm into this. And man, this is the exact stuff that I have been wanting. Like this kind of if you're if you're into L.A. noir and noir stories, that kind of stuff, Perry Mason is 100 percent for you. And Matthew Rise as the the eponymous character is phenomenal and it's a noir show this is a show that while you have a protagonist that you root for he is not you know the epitome of morality you know and but at the same time he's a good he's a good man and he's a character you can root for i only watched like an episode or two episodes of this show it was fantastic I loved what I watched of this show. The only thing that kept me from watching more of it was just that it was a little too real for the moment. A little too. How do you mean? Just so. So you're going to find a lot of stuff about the things that I that I mentioned in this series of what I really got into as far as TV is concerned this year is that there's a need for escape that I had. Uh, in the year 2020 uh, for most of this year. And a lot of my picks are a little more escapism than, oh yeah, this is something that definitely, and I know that Perry Mason is fiction, but it's based more in that realistic, this is something that could have actually happened in the 1920s. It's a- Oh yeah, for, for, for sure. And I also appreciate the fact that it, it was a good mystery. It didn't go where I thought there were characters, uh, especially Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black, who appears in this. I thought her character was going to be set up to be a villain. This is not a spoiler, but the trailers like make it look like, oh, she's going to be the driving force behind the, all the bad stuff. And she's not. And it's amazing. The first episode sets her up to be the villain of the series. It's it's so good. And so not only is it a good mystery and a good noir story, but it also follows these kind of modern stories set in this time. Uh, I think James Elroy was the one that kind of really establishes for a lot of people with LA confidential and the black Dahlia. But if, if, if you're into these kind of stories, then Perry Mason is one that you need to watch right now on HBO max. It, it was honestly a, a torturous thing for me to wait every week, especially when it comes to mysteries. Cause I just want to binge the whole thing. <laughs> and, and this, this, this show was absolutely stellar i think that uh matthew rise was a little underrated i think it flew i thought it flew under the radar but apparently it did very well on hbo um it's getting a second season which makes me very very excited it's something Um, i look forward to returning to yeah but this this is one uh, just as a fan of detective stories and i get where you're coming from drew i think for me a a good mystery story is escapism just personally like i love a good I mean, it's why I got into Sherlock initially. You know, I love these good kind of twisty, turny stories. And this one, you also get uh, John Lithgow in a dramatic role. And he you forget that he started off as a dramatic actor and he's phenomenal. <laughs> like this is Lithgow, a talented dude. and He doesn't always he, get his due. I think he's an Oscar winner. Or at least a nominee. I'm, I've, I've got to look that up. But uh, because I mean, he he's had such a long career, and uh, he's yes he's been nominated for two Academy Awards, 
he was um he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for The World According to Garp in 1983 and Terms of Endearment in 1984. Yeah, John Lithgow's in Terms of Endearment. <laughs> uh, he is a Tony winner, an Emmy winner. Uh, and a Grammy nominee. And a Grammy nominee. Mean, he's like, he's, he's, he, he's, he's, he's at least an EGOT nominee. <laughs> he, he's close to an EGOT, closer than most of us get to an EGOT. So, you yeah, know. And he is, he is tremendous in this role. And I think... It reintroduces John Lithgow to some people, and I, I, just, everything about this show was phenomenal. I know he's in The Crown as well, but like this, his, his, his role in this show is is just invaluable, and I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's one that I'm going to be singing the praises of. I, I cannot wait for season two, which we probably won't get until 2022 at this rate. Um, but yeah, if you are into de- detective stories then Perry Mason will hook you from episode one. <laughs> uh, so, well, speaking of things that, you know, exceptions that I made to being made to feel uncomfortable about things, my next Maury uh, goes is, is the, this is important. And I feel like we all need to watch this Maury goes to HBO's Lovecraft country. Yeah, this is one I've, I've only seen the first uh, three episodes of and and not for any other reason than I just haven't had the time balancing everything. But but based on the first three episodes, this show is tremendous. So Lovecraft Country focuses on uh, the character of uh, Atticus Tick Freeman, who is played by Jonathan Majors. He is a, uh, a veteran in the Korean War. He's a black man uh, and he is. And we open the series as he is going from Florida, where he has been living, uh, back up to the Chicago area in order to settle the accounts of 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 his his father who has been missing, and and what rolls out is a a mystery sci fi fantasy magic induced uh, situation that features all sorts of different characters and portrayals and, 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 and other things that, that it's tough to describe without giving everything in the series away. There's a lot of kind of old gods style magic in this, in this series. And and it's all in, in reference to what, what turns out to be literary references each episode seems to be based on a a book or a small selection of books. And there are, are actually official podcasts that that HBO released alongside this that kind of cover the texts in question that they are, are referring to. And it's really interesting. It's really challenging uh, because uh, because also this this uh, the show takes place in the the 1950s, 1960s. So. It is definitely in a, a place and time uh, that is uh, um, complicated and dangerous and 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 because uh, it's from the, the perspective of, of of black Americans and and the stuff that they were going through. It's just that the the 
white Americans that they are are having conflicts with have magic powers. So it's it's a little uh, complicated and different and challenging and and all of these other words that 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 I am trying to to dance around because it's uncomfortable for me as a as as a white dude in 2020. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, this show is very prescient and it, there's a lot of right place, right time. Now, this this is based on a novel uh, by of, of the same name by Matt Ruff and 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 was uh, well regarded for, for its its treatment of these issues. And and just in the same way that Watchmen was last year, which was excellent. And yes. one that I almost pulled a a uh honorary Maury for but i didn't want to have too many 2019 shows i forgot on, we didn't did the maury's at the end of last year so that yeah, we, we, wa- we didn't have a show last year <laughs> watchman is also fantastic and everybody should see watchman especially if you like the watchman comic so this show is very much in that same vein in terms of the, the the subject matter that it's talking about. It's talking about race. It's talking about class division. It's talking about real issues and using fiction as a way to facilitate that information. But this show was also um, released in the background of nationwide protests in, in, in respect to the Black Lives Matter movement. So there was a a zeroing in on the focus of these issues while this show was coming out, which I think helped signal boost the message of the show as well as watching this show. Not that I don't think this show would have already had a lot of viewers, but I think the moment in time this show was, uh, you know, it had really just part of the zeitgeist. Totally. And, and it's talking about things that are being talked about on the nightly news in a way that, you know, these issues have been going on for a very long time, so let's not pretend that they haven't. But the fact that they're being brought up to the forefront the way they, they are now, you know, with, with the show on the air, it is it is a it's facilitating this information that that people might not quite glean from the news because people being people. But from fiction, sometimes that's where you can reach people. And this this cast is excellent. I oh, mean, 100 percent. Through and through, I don't think there's a miscast in in the entire bunch. And I mean, uh, Journey Smollett, who was also appeared in our Maury's for movies because she was Black Canary in Birds of Prey, is tremendous as uh, Letty Lewis. And yeah, I, I even though I haven't finished this show, it's it's one that is on my list. And since you know we're gonna have some downtime in the near future, no, uh, it's you, what you definitely should because it is just. Oh, it's a hundred percent going to be done on my Christmas break, but it's, it's what I've watched uh, about three or four episodes of. And I remember being completely awestruck by how powerful the narrative was. And, you know, as, as someone who has enjoyed Lovecraft in the past, I was very curious how they were going to like, Oh, they're going to tiptoe around this racism or deal with it. And it's dealt with from like the first scene, <laughs> like they, they go a whole hog. And I, appreciate the heck out of it um yeah th- this show is is pretty brilliant the novel itself was brilliant and i mean again i mean hbo max bringing some some amazing some amazing television this year 100 percent. so uh my my next maury is is gonna take a a turn for the more of the escapist this is this is the uh the the real human award 
and it goes to a show. I'm sorry, the real human award or the, the actual human regular human regular bartender. Human. <laughs> um, this is a show that Drew and I both loved when it first released. It's a show that Drew and I, I feel like our love was amplified exponentially by the second season. And that is what we do in the shadows. And I have to say, I would put one of these episodes as the best comedy episode of at least the decade and the <laughs> century so far. And that is the Jackie Daytona episode. Like this season was already on fire, but that and episode. I, I don't want you to say anything more about Jackie Daytona uh, that this series we we talked about it. I don't know. Actually, we I think we missed I the first talked season about it when it was announced when when we were still doing the more you nerd. I think we mentioned that it was announced in a top nerdy to me. Maybe. And we were kind of on the fence of the concept of a of a, what we do in the show show. We, well, we were until they announced the cast and it was like, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this cast is tremendous. Honestly, it surpassed the movie and I love the movie. The movie is fantastic, but the movie only has two hours to to do yeah. what it's going to do. The 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 TV series is just such a phenomenal, phenomenal series. And I have to give it up to. Uh, I I don't know how to pronounce her name, and I'm sorry. Uh, Someone, Nadia, Natasha Demetrio, Demetru. I don't know uh, who plays Nadia. Who is every time she sounds irritated, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yes, she is the husband of Laszlo, played by Matt Berry, uh, formerly of things like uh, the IT Crowd and uh. uh uh, um, Rangi's Dark Place <laughs> and uh, um, Toast of London. Toast of the Town. Toast of London, yeah. Toast of um, London you can also find on on, on Netflix. Uh, but she is boosh. just uh, she is just such a tremendous force in this show, especially in the second season. She actually plays a character in Eurovision, the, the Eurovision movie that Will Ferrell did uh, for Netflix that we talked about in our movie episode last week. And she just steals that scene because even if if I wasn't into the show, like I watched that as like, oh, she's great in that scene in Eurovision. But the second that she pops, it's like, Nadja, oh! It's just she, this is her breakthrough. I I feel like role and, and, to 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 really. There are certain words that it. she pronounces that like anytime she says them, I get super like, like especially donkey. When she compares someone to a donkey, the oh, way she says so the word good. donkey is the best. This show one has a deep reverence for vampire lore, just like the movie did. But this show is it, it is unfair for me to say that it's better than it has any right to be because of the people who created the movie. We're also behind the show. So, you know, but the, the, I, I did not expect this show to become, and especially so swiftly, one of my all time favorite comedies. Like, this is already an all timer for me. So, it, but this is the thing where it's not just vampire stuff that they get right. No, no, that, that's is, what makes it great. This is a show, and I'm going to talk about something that is maybe a little more uh, uh, blue than our, our, show normally gets but this is the kind of show that this is 
So there is an episode in this show, and I believe it's actually the Jackie Daytona episode where this is happening. The the B plot of that show is that Colin Robinson, the energy vampire, who was a daywalker, he can walk out outside, but he's just super boring and bores people. And when he bores people, he uh, he steals their energy. He is involved in an online inter- encounter with a tr- an Internet troll. And <laughs> and that's it's very funny how that all plays out. And Colin Robinson gets very angry about this Internet troll and he starts going after this troll and trying to find him in real life. So he finds the Internet troll in real life. Spoiler warning for this episode. Uh, but it's an actual troll like a a a a troll character uh like a monster uh and and it's a very funny encounter between the two because the troll let's just say is not necessarily dressed from the waist down it's not that episode okay anyway no uh but the troll is not necessarily dressed from the waist down however the thing about trolls that they know is that if a troll is exposed to sunlight it turns into stone therefore a statue so you have this whole episode where colin robinson has been dealing with this this troll and there's censorship bars over all of this thing except when the troll is exposed to sunlight and turns into stone because it's technically a statue and art at that point that the fx network can show that uncensored and they do and it's just a funny moment and it's that kind of like playfulness with with concepts and censorship specifically that I find very, very funny and interesting. Um, Otherwise, this is just a show for just regular humans. If you're a regular human accountant or a regular human uh, uh, tax attorney or a regular human bartender, this show is for you. Yeah, I mean, it's I I agree with not wanting to spoil, especially the Jackie Daytona episode, which is episode six on the run. And um, the only thing I will say <laughs> is it the it guest stars uh, Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill, who was a big fan of the first season as Jim the Vampire, which is <laughs> the, the, this show will pull stuff that, like that. And this, uh, this show tickles me to death because I'm a massive horror fan. I think it, it's exponentially funnier, but there is so much comedy that everyone I know that watched this show is just glued. This is. This is a a golden comedy from FX. And and this this goes above and beyond what I would expect. And in terms of shows that make me feel good after I watch it, especially as something I would have watched an entire movie based off the Jackie Daytona episode because it hits so many sweet spots for me. And I, yeah, I like this. This is a show that made me so happy that I got misty eyed just because I was so just thrilled with what I was watching. And also backdrop. This is in the middle of the pandemic at this point, this is April, May. So things are really serious. And when you just find something that is just pure joy, which is going to, I think segue into Drew's next pick. Um, if it wasn't going to be his next picks, I think he's picked up on my hint. Uh, no, th- this, that, this, it was it was, this was it, man. I'm ready. I'm just oh, going. Perfect. Yeah, this was pure joy, and I think I think everyone needs that in in this year. So, Drew, go ahead and, and bring up the the next Maury because so, this show 
just like what we do in the shadows, a hundred percent deserves it. The next Mori, the unrelenting po- positivity Mori, goes to a show that is on uh, one of the the more obscure <laughs> TV streaming series uh, platforms. Uh, it's on Apple TV Plus. It's called Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. So Ted, is, Ted, Ted Lasso is based off of a old NBC sports skit that they used to promote Premier League soccer coming to NBC. Jason Tadakis, formerly of of SNL and and uh, other comedy stuff, plays Ted Lasso, who is a an American college football coach who is hired to be the coach of a British Premier League football soccer team, um, despite the fact that he knows nothing about the sport. That's that is the setup. But the it's ex- Major League. It's Major League the show. Yeah, sure. That, that, that's the plot of Major League. Except the, they know what baseball is. Like, it's not like. Yes, but but so the just as Major League, she the the owner makes changes who has basically inherited the team and desperately wants the team to fail. OK, I'll give you that. Yes, that is a very good point. Um, but but I'm, when- and I'm not criticizing the, the Ted Lasso at all. <laughs> No, that's a very good point that that I forgot the major league comparison with that, because, yes, that's a, a, absolutely what's going on. But where this show succeeds in that. Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso is just so unrelentingly positive that Best. it is he wins over every aspect of this show. And I'm only saying that because you're going to see that start to happen in the first episode and you just have to understand that that happens in it in, in, throughout the rest of the series. There are some more surprising elements and some things that you don't expect to happen, which are fantastic. But he, his performance for all of this is just on point. One of the best performances, both serious and comedic that I've seen Sudeikis give. But it's 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 that unrelenting positivity in the face of everything that is just it's what i needed in 2020 it's what everyone needs this just like some of the things that we talked about in the, in the past this is the solve that you need to survive 2020 this is especially pre-election this is something that it just it, it's it's comfort food it, this this if if I had watched this show or if this show had been released before our comfort food season this, or uh, episodes, this would have been on there. It, and it's the reaction has been so much like I mean, most people are surprised this show is even halfway decent, let alone amazing. Uh, it's so amazing that it's been renewed for season three already. <laughs> season see, renewed for season three. Only one season is out. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. And, and they basically said that um, th- it, that Ted Lasso was likely a three season show, mostly due to the availability of Jason Sudeikis. So they're planning for three seasons. And I, I like that they're they're doing that. Jason Sudeikis is someone who I have always loved. There is there is something about him that. No matter what character he plays, there's something about. His his aura that makes him likable 
in almost any role he plays, even when he plays fundamentally flawed people in other roles. You just there's something about him that's so likable. And when he plays a character like Ted Lasso, I mean, this is the kind of person that you just want to root for at all <laughs> times. And his I think what makes this show excellent isn't just that he's super positive, it's that he is pure. And that is that's a big distinction. The the character of Ted Lasso is pure. And he's pure in the face of all these things that should make him not that way. Yeah. And watching him just kind of go through things. And there, there are times you're like, oh man, dude, come on. But he just he persists. And it's it's that positivity that drew was talking about that becomes so infectious you feel good after watching an episode of this show did you know that jason did you know that jason stakis's uncle is george went aka norm from cheers i did not know that that's wild pretty wild uh, but again, it's it's it's. But if you think about about Norm as being kind of a down home kind of person in a certain way, Ted Lasso is a slightly different kind of down home person. But it still feels connected to the people, and that's the, and that's really the the heart of Ted Lasso as a show is that this is not a person. This this guy is a coach, but he's not a coach of a sport. He's a coach of people. And you see that play out in the show in a way that I think is surprising and interesting and fantastic. And and I want to say so much, but I don't want to ruin the show because it's so good. But it's it's just you see you see this person that even when spoiler warning, his own life is falling apart, spending time on other people. And it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful show, and I cannot wait to see more of it because it's just so like it builds so subtly and just has these explosive moments of, of course, this would happen. And it's just it's ah, I love Ted Lasso so much. It's, it, 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 in the same way that I champion what we do in the shadows, I have become such a convert for Ted Lasso. I, I it's one of the best comedies of the year. And this is one that I'm going to be talking about for a very long time. It's an excellent show. Um, Taking a, well, for me, a, a sadder note, this is the uh, carry on my wayward son award, which goes to the final season of the long running show. Supernatural. I, we, we covered supernatural on the more you nerd several years ago. Yeah, back when uh, the show back back when uh, Carry On My Wayward Son would have been replaced on the Netflix version by some bootleg. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, probably not. Copyright I, free think, I think I think with their with their deal with Warner and the CW that they are at least able to keep that song. Um, Supernatural. Uh, the the last season was actually was also very very good. I was really happy with it, but. I think for me, I want to talk about the show because the show has meant a lot for to me because it was such a a comfort food show for 15 years of my life. And being 36, that's about half of my life. And so even th- there are seasons that I admit are not good, but tuning in every week and just seeing those characters do things and 
and just be part of your life. It was amazing. And it's, it's really weird that they're not going to be around anymore. And the reason it's, it's weird is because the show lasted so long. I remember the, the director of the CW said, we have no plans on ever canceling this show. We'll cancel it when they feel like not doing these characters anymore. <laughs> but like this show has survived. This show has survived a transformation of networks. This started on the, on the WB. I'm not sure I knew that. Yeah, it started on the WB and persisted through the CW. And I think even season 11 had some of its best ratings. Like this show is a, is a show that always persisted. And I'm really more or less talking about the show on a whole. But I do think that this last season, while it had some narrative problems that I would not have done, I think the way it ended honestly was was very, very good. And it ended on a very, I, I would say, a positive note. And I don't know. This is this is a show that I have always loved because they went into every facet of horror and folklore and urban legend and then became its own little soap opera. And it was just it was a fun thing to, to get into. And I understand that people may have let the show pass them by or may have gotten into it. But when you've been following for something for 15 years, it, it definitely becomes an important part of your life in some <laughs> weird way. So it's going to be weird not to have uh, any more episodes of Supernatural. So I, did, I really just wanted to kind of give that show a little send off. There's nothing particular mind blowing about season 15 <laughs> of, of a genre show, but I did want to, to, to give that one a little, little tip of the hat. Well, well, Miles, I, I think I'm about ready to, Speaking of things that you followed for 15 years or more, I think I'm about ready to give a tip of a hat to my final Mori of the evening. Do you have any other other lasting shows that I'm you make sure? Least, yeah, I'm going to at least mention some. Uh, Juwan Origins, which is a uh, Netflix adaptation or reboot of the the, the Grudge series. Uh, excellent Japanese show. Does a really cool job bringing out the things that work about that series. Uh, the Haunting of Bly Manor was a very, very cool adaptation of Turning the Screw. Some people didn't love it as much of The Haunting as Hill House, and I understand that. But this was just a cool gothic story. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Tales of Arcadia Wizards, the third Troll Hunters show that kind of wrapped up all of the, the shows that will be concluded in a Troll Hunters movie next year. And then finally, uh, some love to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Not necessarily a show, but a crossover event that did some very, very cool things and brought, brought characters and actors across the entire DC <laughs> cinema and television history that I just think was such a cool event that even if you don't follow any of the shows involved, it's, it's, it's rad. Um, so before... Uh, did I have anything else? Uh, I'll have one more show to talk about, but you go ahead and talk about your last one. Well, Miles, I, I agree with you. Uh, I feel like there are a few things we do still need to talk about. A couple of which are both deserving of the it's not quite done yet. Maury Awards for this year. I feel like we have a tie. One of which is. Star Wars The Mandalorian Season 2, which has just been firing on all cylinders, giving me yeah. everything I want out of a, a Star Wars property. Jon Favreau and specifically Dave Filoni giving me my jam 
when it comes to Star Wars content. Uh, I, I don't want to say too much about it because we have one episode left that's going to air a couple of days after this happens. But this season has just been everything that me as a diehard getting involved in everything Star Wars fan has wanted out of this show. Well, especially as as insofar as as universe building, they have done an even better job doing that with the second season, especially with the the episode that I think everyone was going to be talking about anyway with Ahsoka. And and seeing where Disney is planning its Star Wars universe after the investor, uh, which we'll talk about in a future episode. I, I yeah, th- this show has just hit, hit, hit for me. Uh, it's it's I don't know. It's hard to say if it's better than the second season. I think it technically is. But that doesn't mean the first season isn't also excellent. But yeah, the this first, has been super- the, the first season is excellent. But this season, they have have leaned into the stuff that they felt like maybe they couldn't do in the first season. And with with all of the the like specifically in the the episode with Ahsoka, which I only say because these episodes are so ubiquitous that you can't not know that that happened if you're listening to right. our show. Um, I walked in on Monday after uh, uh, that episode came out. And my boss said, oh, Drew, you watch The Mandalorian, right? What would you think about this one particular aspect of the episode that if you hadn't watched the last decade of, of, you know, Star Wars content, you might care about? And I was like, oh, that was cool. But I was more into the fact that Ahsoka is in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And. That was a huge deal for me too. Uh, Rosario Dawson knocked out of the park. I think that they are telling superlative Star Wars stories. And Rosario was able to match Ashley Eckstein's voice in ways that I did not expect her to. Not just the voice, the body language of the character from from the Clone Wars, the way she does certain moves and everything, are pitch perfect. They they, they just knocked that character out of the park. But. Dave Filoni did that episode. Not a surprise. (laughs) Not in the slightest. And I'm excited to see more Star Wars content from him specifically. Uh, But Miles, uh, on the other star side of the coin, what's your other not quite done yet, Maury, going to this year? Star Trek Discovery season three has kind of become a a new status quo for the show. And it's, it's quickly becoming one of my favorite Trek seasons in all of Trek, which I know is a big, big That's thing a, to say. That is a big statement right there that I'm not sure it I is, even agree with. And I'm a huge fan I, of Discovery. I I think this show absolutely soars. I think it really captures the the scope of the the hope and exploration and spirit of what of what Starfleet is supposed to stand for in these characters. <laughs> Finally, three seasons into the show, it's getting there. And I, I know I'm 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 I I talk a lot of of nonsense about Discovery, despite the fact that I still pay to watch it <laughs> every week that it's on. Uh, and because you pay to watch it, I get to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm, I wonder. Uh, so so let let it be stated that I any criticism I have for the show is only to help it be the show that I want it to be. And it is finally getting to that point in season three. And I I enjoyed season one. I really enjoyed a lot of season two and didn't like some of season two. But season three has so far been firing on all cylinders and really getting to the point where it's it's right about that that 
season three transition point that the great Star Trek's TV series get next generation turned it around in season three. Deep Space Nine turned it around in season three. Voyager turned it around in season three. TOS got canceled in season three. <laughs> but you uh, know what I mean? Uh, but I, it, it's, I just I. I think for me, I enjoyed the first season and, and we could we could talk about Star Trek Discovery in, in great length on a future episode if we wanted to. And I think we talked about the first season in a spoiler cast I'm pretty when sure it we came did. out. But season three, I think, has. I, I, I feel like the producers and the writers looked that at the fact that, you know, the movies weren't going to be going forward anymore and they wanted to show that boldly went a show that explored a show that that dealt with things that star trek shows used to deal with and tell an ongoing story and season three has done that the the first part of i, I think what the season finale is which i guess airs which for listening to this tomorrow no um, no there are still several still more episodes? episodes yes okay we're, we're about um, halfway through this season oh has, really awesome it has like 12 episodes instead of mandalorian's eight so yeah awesome uh so, <laughs> yeah, yeah th- th- we have a lot more which i'm happy about yeah no i am too i, I have i have i have really really enjoyed this season I, I think it's done a lot of things that i i want it to do and yeah i'm i'm just i'm so happy with it and if you haven't been watching discovery i would i would say you don't even have you can watch a a, a catch-up video and just give season three a shot because I really think it does all the things that you might have wanted this show to do in this season. Uh, yes, it's finally really exploring the secondary and tertiary cast of characters in a way that you weren't getting before in these these seasons. There is a thing that I want to say out loud, which I feel like I should be allowed to say because it's the third season. If you don't know that this happens at this point, what have you been doing? But there is a change that happens between season two and season three that gives season three a a jump off point to do things that no Star Trek series has ever done, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is very, very. Um, positive. Uh, um yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where this season goes. But I also think I also think Saru is in contention with uh, a best captain conversation. That's a whole other conversation that we will have. I, I know, but I, I've I have been blown away with him as as, as acting captain. Uh, but yes, let's 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 segue into your final show and the final show that we will be talking about for 2020. This show, which I also which as I look at it, it makes me realize we need to talk about the boys season two, which was fantastic and somehow didn't end up on my list. But the boys season two is really, really great. And it get, earns the boys award for being boys. Yeah, uh, Amazon. Amazon has been firing on, on, on all cylinders um, because uh, Hunters was also amazing. And Borat 2 was fantastic. Amazon's been doing some really great work, but we are running longer than we expected. So let's talk about your final show our final show the final show of the year the i can't believe how good it is award the how could it possibly be any better award goes to star trek nope did i almost say picard 
that show came out this year. Oh my gosh. Not Star Trek Picard, which is fine. But the, be, the best show for me of the year is Star Trek Lower Decks, the CBS All Access animated series uh, brought to us by Mike McMahon. Mike McMahon. Ugh. I'm sorry <laughs> that I could not get your your name out uh, uh, easier than that. Uh, starring uh, Tawny Newsom as Beckett Mariner and uh, Jack Quaid of the boys fame uh, as Brad Boimler, uh, two ensigns on the USS Cerritos, the California class vessel that is specialized in second contact, not the first contact with aliens, but the second contact where people go and fill out paperwork and, and finish things up. And this show, it's animated. It is just oh this it's hard to describe how good the show is because it's everything that i love about the next generation era of star trek which is kind of my era because that's where i grew up and that's also where mike mcmahon grew up but they know just the right things to poke fun at and pick on and 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 exacerbate and all these things just to bring out the comedy in those moments. But, and if you're watching the, the trailers or previews, that's what you think that show's all going to be about. But then they couple it with this, this heartfeltness, this honesty, mm-hmm. this, this, this positivity and hopefulness that is so true to Star Trek in the 1990s that I, I, I look at this and I think, this is Star Trek. This is what I want this this series to be moving forward. This this show, I think, could have easily been, a lot of people thought this was going to be, oh, a Rick and Morty like, which is and which show, Mike McMahon is a writer on Rick and Morty. Even to this day, he's a big correct. voice in the Rick and Morty franchise. But this show could have easily been condescending to Star Trek and Star Trek fans as a way to generate some buzz. And instead, it is reverent. Yes. This show never forgets that it's a Star Trek show. And And they tell Star Trek stories and often based on specific episodes, but they just tell them with a a different perspective, a different mode of humor. But you just mentioned that that you said that it could be condescending. And when you look at the concept of what this show is, it looks condescending. But Mm -hmm. when you watch this show, it is not condescending. It is in fact reverent and referential. And yes, it will poke fun at the way that things happen in, in those series but it's loving but and it's, it, and it, it, it's, it's poking it, it, it it's it's like i'm trying to i'm trying to come up with a good um when you have a really good friend who knows just the things to say about you to make you laugh about yourself without making you feel self-conscious about yourself mm-hmm. so not miles and me uh miles is not that to me <laughs> Um, oh man, I was about to say, it's just like you <laughs> I take it too seriously, man. I'm just, so, I'm a, but, but that's, that's, but no, you're, you're 100% correct. That's the kind of thing that, that, that happens in this show. And I want to, to, to say a few things about it with it, but I, it's, it's hard to do without spoiling some, some keys to it. But uh, when you have Beckett Mariner 
and as as one of the main characters of the show, Beckett Mariner, so and much. just the the twelve episodes. I'm sorry, ten episodes. Excuse me, only ten episodes of the show. She has solidified herself as one of my favorite Star Trek characters in the oh, entire 100%. pantheon, and that I, I need I need you all listening to me, Drew, saying this to understand how big of a deal that is. I love Star Trek. I have always loved Star Trek. I have loved it since I was a very, very young child, and I've grown up with it. Beckett Mariner is fantastic. She is a welcome addition to the pantheon of Star Trek characters. She is one of my favorites, and I need that 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 carries weight that you may not understand because you hear me as Drew, super positive dude. Oh, I like everything. I don't I'm I'm like Miles and that I don't hate anything. Da-da-da-da-da. No, this is this is real I've talk. I've never heard you describe that way. <laughs> yeah. This is this is real talk, gang. Beckett's fantastic. Boimler is fantastic. Tendi is fantastic. Rutherford's fantastic. The whole cast and crew of the show is fantastic. I would it is, love but I'm 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 a- very angry that I still do not have lower decks figures. Like for an animated show, you would think that'd be the easiest thing to do and 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 move some move some 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 toys for some some ducats. I, I'm I'm legitimately debating making a lower decks uh, Cerrito style uniform to dress up for conventions next year. So we'll see yeah. if that actually happens. But what I also think what what makes lower decks work is it's not just a comedy for Star Trek fans. It is a very funny sci-fi comedy i have played the entire se- I, I rewatched the entire season with my girlfriend uh krista and she fell in love with this show and she likes star trek she's watched star trek before she's not you know completely into star trek stuff but she doesn't follow it like the way drew and i do in that she doesn't get super into the the lore and has seen every single episode of every single series but she had the best time with this show and and she's always someone that I use this barometer because she's her, her tastes are she's like me. She loves a lot of things as long as they're good. And she just thought this show was hilarious. And the jokes are so smart that there will be a Star Trek reference in addition to the comedy. It's not like the Big Bang Theory where the reference is the comedy. There are some Star Trek specific jokes and references that are funny, but if you don't watch Star Trek, you're not going to miss anything. Like there, there, there's a moment where there's a, a Section 31 joke, which I thought was hilarious. And she wanted me to explain it to her because she just wanted to know why I thought it was funny. Because it seemed like I was laughing out of nowhere. <laughs> and, and yeah, if you're a Star Trek fan, it's super funny. And I explained to her what it was. And she's like, oh, yeah, I see why that's funny. And it's as simple as that. It's not a it, it's not a trivia thing. Like there there and there are some deep cuts. Oh, the, but there there was a USS Vancouver that the Cerritos encounters as part of the series. And if you look when they're going around the Vancouver, there are some very specific Canadian references about stuff that's just going on in the background, foods that people are eating in their lounge area that are just Canadian style things that they don't point out, but are just very, very funny. (laughs) But again, it's just it's just the 
Oh, I love this it's, show so much, and honestly, I cannot wait for more. I've I've used this show this this word a, a few times tonight, but Star Trek Lower Decks is is pure. It is a pure show. It is a fun show. It maintains the 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 heart of what Star Trek means to people, but it also doesn't forget to have a lot of fun. And that's that that's really all it is. It and and I think a lot of people were nervous when the show came out because they were like, oh, they're gonna make fun of our 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 Star Trek. And yes and no. Like well, it, it makes fun of things that fans already make jokes about, but it's also saying, hey. We're with you. We're one of you. <laughs> it, it it helps that Mike McMahon, the the creator of the show, is responsible for the Star Trek TNG season eight Twitter account slash later book, which was just tweets that were episode synopses of episodes from a fake Star Trek: The Next Generation season eight. This is a guy who is deeply steeped in. Star Trek history. This is a fan. This is a fan like Miles, like me, of this show that has spent an inordinate amount of time paying attention to things about this show to to the point where. But he's also a comedy writer and a very talented comedy person that just knows just what buttons to press to tickle your funny bone without feeling like you're being made fun of for liking this thing, because that's the thing that this doesn't do. This does not make fun of you for loving Star Trek. This enhances your love of Star Trek by pointing out things that that are silly funny. or funny about it that that we have conversations about like we would have yeah. a conversation about why, how this particular weird time travel thing or this particular weird other thing happens and and those kinds of ideas and concepts and feelings are what's going into this show and it's just so fun and funny and I love it and I cannot wait for more and we're getting more. We're just not getting it as fast as I want it to happen because my my I wish I could have a time machine to go a few years in the future to get all three or four seasons that we're going to get ahead of time so I can go and watch it. We're not going to get that. So just to be patient like a good boy. Well, the good thing is a lot of it has already been recorded, so they're just animating it. We'll probably get it sooner than the next Star Trek show. It'll probably be the next one we get. Uh, actually, I think Brave New World. Oh, yeah, Prodigy, we might get Prodigy first. Who knows what's going on with Prodigy, but that's a whole other conversation that I don't want to dive into right now. <laughs> but yes, I, I, I'm, I'm with you, Drew. When you when you brought it up as as you're, you're the one you wanted to end your your stuff with, I was like, yeah, you know what? That's. That's that's where I'm I'm happy landing too because I I watched this this season two and a half times I absolutely adored it it made me feel good and if you make me feel good then you're going to the top spot and while there are shows that obviously made me feel good I think part of being a Star Trek fan factors into that. I think I think I'm still in this suspended animation shock that we're still getting Star Trek on TV or (laughs) on streaming. And and so because we if you think of it, we hadn't had Star Trek on TV since Voyager ended in or Enterprise ended ended in 05. 
Yeah. So it's been 15 years since we've had proper track on the air. Yeah. So I'm still kind mo- of we've had movies, but, you know, that's, that's we've had movies. But and I mean, I love those movies, mm. but yeah, I just I it makes me very happy. Like Drew, I was a Star Trek fan as a little little boy. It it instilled my love of space and exploration and science. And that yeah, th- this show also does things that I like to do, like make fun of things that I love. And this does that in, in the most loving way. Oh, the episode where Boimler is slightly out of phase. Oh gosh. Just such a great. Oh, the I, farm episode is so good. The farm yeah. Is yeah, so if good. you have yeah. not watched Star Trek Lower Decks, look, I understand that CBS All Access is not the most enticing streaming service. In fact, well, we only ever use it when there's Star Trek on the air. Well, not only that, but like Lower Decks is still not easily available overseas, even at the time that we're recording this. That sucks. But if you're in the States, 100%. Um, you know, I free trial or the 10 bucks for the one month or it might even be available on iTunes now. I don't know. Um, do it. It, it. it You will not be disappointed at all. And uh, unlike what we said Last week, this is not going to be our last episode of the year. Turns out we don't know how to look at a calendar. Uh, so yeah, which has uh, plagued us several times this year. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, we're working on it, fam. We're working on it uh, next week. However, we are taking the week off. Uh, so, yes, this will be the last episode you get for a week. But the week of New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day we are going to take a little look at what the year 2021 might bring us when it comes to pop culture content, whether that be TV, movies, uh, video games, you know, maybe even some books or some comics that we know are coming down the line. Just some of our our, our biggest, uh, not just, not predictions, but just, you know, what to pay attention to in 2021. And that's going to be two weeks from today uh and so, not only that you will get your first look at what 2021 will hold for the more you nerd because we will finally reveal what show won syndication september's pilot season oh, and what will be our first challenge for 2021 it's gonna be some biting commentary i'm sure all right well don't give the show away <laughs> <laughs> we did a couple of weeks ago dude it doesn't matter it doesn't matter but what does matter is that if you want to reach out to us which i encourage you to do you can find us at themoreyounerd.com you can tweet to us at themoreyounerd you can find us at facebook.com slash themoreyounerd and you can email us themoreyounerd at gmail.com that's themoreyounerd at gmail.com so until next time, we are going to end this show as we always do, Drew, with a rousing. Nerd! Nerd.